so we can add fake voters, subtract voters from the voter record, vote multiple times. Huh. Who would have thought? They can do that? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Yes, they can. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is The Bradcast, as heard on KPFK, 90.7 FM in L.A., 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California. Up in Oregon on 91.7 KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 KSO in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 FM WLRI. In Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM Palinville, New York's 102.9 FM WPRR in Grand Rapids, Michigan, 105.5 in Washington, D.C., and AM 950 KTNF in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And yes, we stream coast-to-coast every single day on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Deprogrammed Radio, Detour Talk and Radio Sputnik, amongst others, blanketing the earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me. From bradblog.com, thank you for joining me. Hey, can we get to some phone calls today, Desi Doyen? Pretty please, maybe? <laughs> I think that might be up to you. If Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> if I shut the hell up, we will see. Uh, this is, of course, your midweek, midsummer open line forum, otherwise known as the Bradcast. Uh, at least if I can get to those calls. Got anything you want to talk about? I got a few things. But if the radio gods are with us, I'll have some minutes open a little bit later f- uh, for the phone lines. Open phone lines to you at 818 985 5735. 818-985-5735 before the hour is up. Uh, since I last opened the lines, by the way, uh, health care failed in the Senate. Um, is that long national nightmare finally over? Is the Trump administration's sabotage of Obamacare just beginning? Reince Priebus is out. Anthony Scaramucci is out at the White House. General John Kelly is in as chief of staff. Will it make this administration any less insane? Got any thoughts on that? Uh, How about on the weekend's DEFCON voting village? Boy, have I heard from a lot of folks about this, where every single voting machine presented at the Hackers Convention in Vegas last weekend was hacked in just hours' time over the weekend, as I discussed with Dr. David Jefferson earlier this week. I'll try to play some of that interview, but you can download the whole thing at bradblog.com if you want. Then we've got uh, all the news going on today to at least try to get to, like the, oh, the Boy Scouts are saying, no, we didn't call Trump and tell him his speech was the greatest ever. And the Mexican president saying, no, I didn't call Trump and tell him his immigration policies are working great. Yes, Trump has made both claims in recent days. Our phone number is 818-985-5735. 
if you'd like to get in line and hold on for a bit. Also a bit later, uh, the lovely Desi Doyen, as you just heard her voice, will yes. be back with us with the Green News Report. Yes, lots of news in that. Also jam-packed today, because <laughs> uh, that's just uh, kind of the day it is today. That's but just how we roll. That's how we roll at this point every day, five days a week at this rate. Um, all right, uh, well, let's start here. President Donald Trump <clears throat> on Wednesday signed what he called a quote, seriously flawed bill imposing new sanctions on Russia, pressured by his own Republican Party not to move on his own toward a warmer relationship with Moscow. Trump said he did so, quote, for the sake of national unity. The legislation is aimed at punishing Moscow for allegedly interfering in the 2016 U.S. presidential election and for military actions in Ukraine and Syria. The law also imposes financial sanctions against Iran and North Korea, much less discussed. Trump lauded the sanctions against Iran and North Korea, if not those against Russia, saying that the law will, quote, punish and deter bad behavior by the rogue regimes in Tehran and Pyongyang. In a signing statement, there was no public signing ceremony for this bill. Donald Trump blasted Congress for including a number of clearly unconstitutional provisions, as he described it, in its haste to pass the bill, which he called significantly flawed. My administration particularly expects the Congress to refrain from using this flawed bill to hinder our important work with European allies to resolve the conflict in Ukraine, he said. In a second statement that was issued moments later, Trump said he expressed, quote, concerns to Congress about the many ways the bill improperly encroaches on executive power, disadvantages American companies, hurts the interests of our European allies, he said. He then took another somewhat bizarre swing at lawmakers by citing, yes, his own business acumen in his statement. He said, I built a truly great company worth many billions of dollars. As president, I can make far better deals with foreign countries than Congress can. How's that going so far, by the way? Uh, for his part, um, last Friday, after the bill was adopted by veto-proof majorities in both the U.S. House and Senate, Russian President Vladimir Putin announced that Russia is expelling some 755 U.S. diplomats and technical personnel in retaliation against the new sanctions. Russia also said that it is seizing two U.S. diplomatic properties, like the two Russian diplomatic compounds that were seized by the U.S. under the Obama administration. The sanctions, backed by Democrats as well as Republicans, limit the U.S. president's ability to ease any sanctions on Russia by requiring Congress uh, congressional approval to lift any such restrictions. The White House had complained that such congressional review infringed upon Trump's executive authority. Russian Prime Minister Dmitry Medvedev said on his Facebook blog on Wednesday that the U.S., had declared a full-fledged trade war with these new sanctions, adding the hope of improving our relations with the new U.S. administration is dead. Also, he said that the Trump administration demonstrated complete impotence by humiliatingly transferring executive powers to the Congress. 
As noted, there was rare bipartisan agreement on this bill. Only uh, three members in the uh, U.S. House, all Republicans, and two members of the Senate, one Republican, Rand Paul of Kentucky, and one independent, Bernie Sanders of Vermont. Uh, So that's five members total in both houses voted against the measures. For his part, Bernie Sanders said it was not the Russian elements of the bill that bothered him, but the fact that the Iran sanctions included in the bill would make it easier for Trump to undermine the Iran nuclear deal. I am a strong I am strongly supportive of sanctions on Russia and North Korea, Sanders said in response to criticism from Democrats for his vote against the measure. Adding, however, I worry very much about President Trump's approach to Iran following Trump's comments that he won't recertify Iran's compliance with the nuclear agreement. I worry new sanctions could endanger that agreement. Um, And that has not gotten a lot of attention in this deal. One more note I will toss in here for now to uh, those who may be critical of Trump's ambivalence at signing this thing. Uh, while he may have had his, you know, his own personal reasons for that ambivalence, presidents traditionally do fight to maintain complete control over foreign policy and national security issues. For example, the Magnitsky Act, which has come up of late in all of this, That's the uh, law that sanctions Russia for alleged human rights abuses and which uh, resulted in Russia stopping adoption of Russian children um, uh, to Americans. While President Obama ultimately signed that legislation, he opposed it at the time for very similar reasons, uh, at least to the ones expressed by Trump concerning uh, today's sanctions basically that it ties the president's hands on foreign policy issues. So that's not even new um, for presidents overall who just don't like Congress, uh, who they they think they have the authority, whether it's on uh, uh, foreign policy, sanctions, uh, any kind of action overseas, uh, that that should be within complete control of the president. Do you agree? You can give us a call if you like. You can also uh, drop me a line on the Twitters. I am the Brad Blog. Um, all right, the <clears throat> back here at home in domestic policy. Hey, who says the uh, Trump administration isn't concerned about civil rights? Of course they are. The Trump administration is preparing to redirect resources of the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division toward investigating and suing and suing universities over affirmative action admission policies deemed to discriminate against white applicants. According to a document obtained by The New York Times uh, reporter Charlie Savage, The document is an internal announcement to the Civil Rights Division seeking current lawyers who may be interested in working for a new project on, quote, investigations and possible litigation related to intentional race-based discrimination in college and university admissions. The announcement suggests that the project will be run out of the division's front office where Trump's administrative uh, political appointees work rather than In the back office, which is uh, the uh, educational opportunities section of the Civil Rights Division, where career civil servants normally handle this kind of uh, work involving schools and universities. And supporters and critics alike of this project say it's clearly targeting admissions programs that can give members 
of generally disadvantaged groups like black and Latino students an edge over other applicants. The, the project follows other charges, I'm sorry, changes uh, and uh, swings to the right in Justice Department policy, such as, for example, their there are all new policies on voting rights, on gay rights, on police reforms, etc., that have swung to the right since Donald Trump has been sworn in. Kristen Clark of the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law says this, uh, this new document is deeply disturbing. She says it would be a dog whistle that could invite a lot of chaos and unnecessarily create hysteria among college and colleges and universities who may fear that the government may now come down on them for their efforts to maintain diversity on their campuses. The Justice Department declined to provide more details or to make the acting head of the Civil Rights Division, John Gore, available to The New York Times for an interview. The Supreme Court has recently ruled that... Um, Educational benefits that flow from a diverse student body can, in fact, justify using race as one factor among many in a holistic evaluation, uh, but though blunt racial quotas uh, are, would, would fall uh, afoul of that. The Supreme Court most recently addressed the affirmative action issue uh, in a 2016 case when uh, by a 4 to 3 Majority, they upheld a race-conscious program at the University of Texas at Austin. That's your old stomping grounds, isn't it, uh, Desi Doyle? <laughs> yes, it is, and I'm so glad that the Supreme Court upheld the University of Texas' specific admission requirements. Well, that was in 2016. It those was. days that are was long then. ago. This is now. There are now several pending lawsuits challenging those practices at other uh, high-profile institutions like Harvard and the University of North Carolina. According to the document that was obtained by uh, Charlie uh, Savage, division lawyers who want to work on this new project must submit their resumes by August 9. So this is going. This is going fast. Sign up now. Uh, this, of course, is a return to the dark days that we saw during the George W. Bush administration and uh, the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division, which had been uh, twisted uh, in the way that the Trump uh, team now seems to be planning to do to do. Uh, you'll recall when uh, under Bush, uh, overseers of the uh, Civil Rights Division were found to have violated civil service hiring laws, according to the DOJ inspector general, by filling its career ranks with right wingers who often had no experience whatsoever in civil rights laws. Of course, they also approved photo ID voting restrictions that we all must uh, continue to wrestle with today. Uh, under the George W. Bush era, that was, the again, the, the career civil servants there who, I'm sorry, the, uh, the political appointees who ignored the career civil servants who said, no, this will keep hundreds of thousands of people from being able to cast their vote and it will disproportionately disenfranchise minorities. But uh, politi uh, politics comes before civil rights, apparently, under Republican administrations at the Department of Justice. And of course, back uh, under Bush, they also brought fewer cases alleging systemic uh, systematic discrimination against minorities. And they brought more alleging reverse discrimination against white people. Uh, speaking of uh, related-ish news here, 
Alabama now does not have to notify tens of thousands of former felons that they recently, yes, regained the right to vote. According to a federal judge, the judge found that the state does not have to automatically restore voting rights to citizens who tried to register but were denied before the state's law regarding felon disenfranchisement changed earlier this year. We had reported back in May on this show on on Alabama's Republican Governor Kay Ivey, who signed a bill defining moral turpitude, a century-old century white supremacist phrase that was used in the that is used in the state constitution and that had been used to allow county registrars to block former felons convicted of certain crimes from voting. In practice, the law was used to, in fact, disenfranchise more than uh, a quarter of a million. Alabamans, most of them, by the way, you'll be shocked to learn, black. After the governor signed the bill, Alabama Secretary of State John Merrill said he would not dedicate resources to educating people about the change, even though their right to vote has now been restored. In an interview with Think Progress, Merrill said he has not heard from anyone who is being denied access to the polls, and he compared voting to a privilege Not a right, but a privilege like receiving free ice cream. The uh, Campaign Legal Center uh, filed a request uh, with the court on behalf of 10 former felons asking the state to educate and inform people affected by the new law that they can now vote. But the U.S. District Judge, Judge uh, W. Keith Watkins, a George W. Bush appointee, Yes, elections have consequences. Judge Watkins denied that request, finding that the state only has a duty to inform the county registrars about the change in the moral turpitude law, but they don't have to uh, inform the public. Former felons, he decided, can proactively consult the law's language to see if they are now permitted to vote or not. And this is after a lot of them, you understand, uh, tried to register to vote. We're told, no, I'm sorry. You know, just last year, I'm sorry, you're a, a former felon. You cannot vote in the state of Alabama. Even those people, we don't have to go back and say, hey, by the way, the law has changed. Yes, you are now eligible to vote. Watkins ruling, of course, disregards the fact that many former felons likely do not closely follow the legislative process and will not know that the law regarding their voting eligibility has changed. The Campaign Legal Center has also pointed out that the law, which is still imposed, uh, should be considered a poll tax because former felons, if they figure out that they now have the right to vote, they must still pay fines and fees in order to restore their right to vote. So that case is likely going to move forward in Alabama. Campaign Legal Center points out that wealth should not be a factor in deciding who can vote. As of 2016, more than 6 million Americans across the country cannot vote because of a felony conviction. And that number has been steadily increasing as the population under criminal justice supervision has also increased. One in 13 African-Americans has lost their right to vote. One in 13 African-Americans, while just one in 56 non-black voters has been disenfranchised by such laws. That, according to the Sentencing Project. Uh, 
Speaking of elections and voting, wow, what a response. I got to tell you, we received a huge response following our show earlier this week uh, with my guest, uh, Dr. David Jefferson of Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory and of VerifiedVoting.org. Jefferson is a computer scientist, a longtime expert in in voting systems, uh, having worked as an advisor for the last five California secretaries of state, both Republican and Democratic. He was also one of the speakers at DEFCON's Voting Machine Hacking Village over the weekend, uh, where, as reported, every single voting system, computer system that was presented to the folks at this hackers convention over the weekend was cracked in some fashion by the end of the weekend. Several of them within just hours or even minutes of the doors opening on the uh, there were some 30 or so different machines there and, and systems that were purchased on eBay for for use at this convention. Jefferson cited the event as a very encouraging development. It did get a lot of coverage in the media, I'm happy to say. Um, And uh, he says it's an encouraging development in his and, frankly, my years-long effort to raise awareness about the disastrously flawed nature of these systems that are at the heart of our democracy, both electronic voting and uh, electronic tabulation systems, you know, the tabulate paper ballots. Uh, He was uh, very encouraged, though, uh, that uh, maybe the concerns about the grave danger that these systems pose to our uh, system of representative democracy may finally be coming to light. Here's a quick comment from my interview with Dr. Dr. Jefferson. I am seeing a kind of sea change here. Um, For the first time, I am sensing that uh, election officials and the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI and the intelligence community and Congress and, uh, and the press are suddenly receptive to our message that these systems are extremely vulnerable and to the extent that it's a serious national security issue, that the things that we've been saying all along are, are actually true. And so uh, I'm encouraged for the first time in a very long time that we have a long way to go. Yes, it's a national uh, security issue, but uh, David Jefferson is encouraged, so I'll take that. I'm not sure if I am, but uh, I'm glad that at least more people are finally understanding what we've been trying to tell you for so long on this show and at bradblog.com where you can and should download the uh the rest of that interview with uh, with David Jefferson. Uh, but while we spent a good time, uh, a good deal of time talking about the vulnerabilities that were so quickly and so easily found by the hackers over the weekend at DEFCON's Voting Village, uh, we, we talked specifically about the voting systems. We didn't spend as much time on the electronic voter registration systems, these so-called electronic poll books. They're now proliferating the nation because, you know, a paper registry would just be too old fashioned for modern American democracy, I guess. Well, uh, those systems, they had some of those uh, as well at the uh, DEF CON. And guess what? The hackers made very short order of those as well. You will be shocked to learn. Um, Gizmodo put it this way, when 650,000 Tennesseans voted in the Memphis area, they probably didn't expect their personal information would eventually be picked apart at a hacker conference at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. 
When U.S. government workers decommission old voting equipment and auction them off to the public, they're supposed to wipe voter information from the memory of the devices. But hackers given access to an express poll 5,000 ESNS Express Poll 5000 electronic poll book that was purchased off of eBay. When they were given that uh, access, the, the kind of device that is used to check in voters on Election Day in states like Tennessee and and uh, if election out, uh, officials out here have their way soon here in California, uh, those hackers uh, discovered the personal records of more than 650,000 people who voted in Shelby County, Tennessee. The records included uh, name, address, birthday. Hey, that's nice for uh, for identity, identity theft. Identity yeah. theft, yeah. Also political party. Also whether they voted absentee, whether they were asked to provide ID at the polling place. The company Election Systems and Software, which makes the Express Poll 5000, is uh, one of the most popular e-poll book manufacturers in the country, uh, in fact, it is uh, the largest voting system uh, uh, company, period, in the country. Barbara Simons, who we've had on the show many times, she's also on the board of Verified Voting. She says there's no formal auditing process for how many of these machines are, are properly wiped from election to election. And then when they're done away with at a government auction and suddenly become available on eBay which was just remarkable, as I, I talked about with uh, Jefferson, that because uh, he recalls very well uh, somewhat 10 or 15 years ago now when the, the sort of the cloak and dagger measures that we had to go to uh, to obtain these systems in order to have an independent check, uh, you know, of them in any way. Uh, so uh, but now you can buy them on eBay. You can send them to a hackers convention and uh, have at it. And these machines are still in use all over the country. Jefferson also uh, noted that, no, the newer computers are not likely any more secure. Uh, Matt Blaze, uh, the uh, renowned security uh, researcher who has authored several studies on voting machine security, helped organize the village and asked how many of these machines also have data left on them and have been sold to who knows who. There's no way of knowing, Blaze told Gizmodo. Uh, and these are the election officials, the ones who are supposed to be wiping this uh, information, keeping your information secure. These are the election officials that we're supposed to entrust to program our voting and tabulation uh, computers to protect them against outside intrusion, as well as, by the way, their own insider intrusion, and then report results that are not confirmed by anyone to be accurate. We're just supposed to presume that's uh, what could possibly go wrong. The hackers at DEF CON made very short order of the uh, of the electronic poll book system, several of the folks in attendance noted how easy it would be to nefariously manipulate such a system. Apparently, none of it is encrypted in any way, shape, or form. It's just on the drive, said Josh Palmer, who was the first to discover the database. There was no password on it. ESNS could have encrypted it, he said, to give at least a baseline protection for voters, but Palmer said... They chose not to encrypt it. Uh, several of the folks in attendance noted how easy it would be to uh, manipulate such a system. 
Uh, here's a, a bit of the interviews, uh, some of the interviews from the voting village from journalist and documentarian Lulu Friesdat. So these guys with this electronic poll book are, have already gotten access to the database. We can add fake voters, subtract voters from the voter record, vote multiple times. The actual vote names are in plain text in there. It is very, very accessible. Yes, to say the least. To say the least. Uh, uh, and, and this, by the way, these machines, these e-poll books, uh, as well as these voting machines, are often sent home with poll workers in the days right before elections, where, of course, they could do anything they want to them and with them. Uh, these so-called voting machine sleepovers. It's a phrase that I'm told I coined uh, some years ago. But you'll recall back in April before the runoff, for example, uh, the runoff vote in Georgia's 6th Congressional District U.S. House race, four e-poll books were said to have been stolen out of the back of a, a pickup truck of a poll manager while he went and shopped for groceries. So, uh, you know, whether it's Shelby County, whether it's Georgia, uh, and frankly, whether it's California, and I don't have time to get into this story here, uh, but it looks like uh, someone somehow accessed both Republican and Democratic voter registrations in Riverside County, California, at least according to the DA there. Um, he says uh, they actually were able to get into the system at the uh, California Secretary of State's office in Sacramento which Secretary of State Alex Padilla denies. Nonetheless, um, he charges that, you know, voter registrations were flipped from Republicans and Democrats alike. Remember all of that mess we had out here in California during the primaries? And I told you to, hey, be let's be careful. Let's find out what's actually going on. Remember, everyone was blaming, oh, Hillary Clinton stealing the election in California. Um, yeah, there's often much more to it. Uh, don't have time to go in, into that real deep here because I want to get to your calls at 818-985-5735 on any or all of this today. 818-985-KPFK. If you're listening live in uh, the California area or anywhere else around the world, 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Uh, very quickly, uh, during my interview uh, with Jefferson, he also confirmed to me what I've been trying to tell you. For so long, for, for so many years, but particularly since the 2016 election, with the renewed concerns that everyone has now so, suddenly about manipulation of election results. So uh, what he confirmed, well, U.S. officials, both under Obama and now, have been repeatedly saying over and over again that, no, there were no votes manipulated, no vote totals were changed in any way during the election. Well, the fact is... As I've been trying to tell you, they do not know that. They don't know if Russia manipulated the results, if China or Iran or France or Great Britain or some guy in Peoria or if the genius uh, election officials in Shelby County, who uh, Tennessee, who left all of that information on there, or the folks in Georgia or out here in California, nobody knows if the results were manipulated because nobody bothered to actually count the ballots or check the machine. Here's David Jefferson's point on that. It is certainly the case that any time national or state officials make a statement to the effect of, well, the Russians did not change the, the actual count of mm -hmm. votes in this election. Um, they cannot know that. Um, so the, the hacking methods 
that um, the Russians might have used are the same methods that anyone on Earth could use. Insiders, uh, um, criminal syndicates, um, nation states other than Russia as well, or our own political partisans. Um, it's difficult often to determine who did it, mm-hmm. uh, whether it was an insider or a, a domestic partisan or some foreign organization. So those of you who are, that's David Jefferson of Livermore, Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory, which basically guards our, our, our nuclear technology, um, you know, saying, no, there is no way to know because, one, we didn't check these machines in any way, shape, or form. There's no way to know who, if anyone, did manipulate these results, including our own election officials. One of these days we're going to get this message out and it's going to land and people are going to understand you got to have A, paper ballots, and then B, you got to count them. You got to have human beings actually overseeing the counting. Want to talk about any of that? Any of that at all? I don't care. Uh, Or maybe, I don't know if you heard my interview yesterday, by the way, with the director of the GAO, the Government Accountability Office. Uh, And the amazing sting operation that the GAO pulled off created a fake law enforcement website and then used it to obtain over a million dollars worth of military grade weapons and items for free from the Department of Justice under their so-called 1033 program that uh, gives out military surplus weapons to law enforcement agencies all over the country. Apparently, if you have a a website, you can just play it and uh, you can just, you know. Set that up and and contact the Department of Defense and get 100 military-grade weapons for free. All right, I know. Got to get out. Let's get to a break. We'll get to your calls at 818-985-5735. Told you I had a lot to cover. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Yes, sir. Welcome back to Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Let's get to your calls. 818-985-5735. Yeah, I got a lot. I could go on all day. I could go on for hours on end. Haven't even, well... I won't even tell you what we haven't got to. Uh, let's go to uh, Mike in Los Angeles. Hey, Mike, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you, Brad. I just wanted to say on the Justice Department issue that those people should be careful what they ask for, because if diversity is not allowed as a criterion and all positions are filled by objectively established merit uh, by competitive examinations, for instance, the Justice Department will be entirely filled with Japanese or Chinese people, <laughs> and Jeff and Beauregard's sessions will be busting tables in the Justice Department cafeteria. <laughs> yeah, well, I hear you, Mike. I don't think they're going to apply those same criteria, of course, to themselves. 
Only uh, to uh, schools and, and colleges who are doing things that they deem they don't like, Mike. But you're right. I, I take your point, Mike. Thank you, sir, for the call. 818-985-5735. 818-985-5735. You can also tweet me at the Brad blog if you prefer. Lynette in Los Angeles. Hey, Lynette, welcome to the Bradcast. Hi, Brad. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I think more than ever right now we need our third party because we have a Russell file trader who is making things really bad at home and abroad. And, you know, it's not like we have we don't already have a problem with our foreign policy as it is. I mean, it stinks. It has for the past 35 years. So I'm going to propose, hey, impeach Trump is H.R. 438 and also divesttrumpsoho.org which is to divest from Trump hotels, especially our pension funds. There's a movement underfoot for that. And then is there's that, is HR that, 3091 to pro- for voter protection. And it doesn't give me comfort knowing that Jerry Brown is making our elections electronic either. Let me tell you, you don't have to be a son or daughter of liberty to feel really like, wow, they're going to really show this country from up under us if we let them. Yeah, you know, we need to be uh, very concerned here in Los Angeles, the largest voting jurisdiction in the country. We are going to a touchscreen ballot marking device system, an electronic system that it'll be impossible to verify after the election. But uh, Lynette, um, H.R. 438, that's the impeachment. Is that the one that was filed uh, recently, the uh, article of impeachment? Yes, that was the one uh, Congressman Al Green mm-hmm. and uh, um, Brad Sherman. Brad Sherman out you here. You might want yeah. to have him on one day, Congressman Brad Sherman. <laughs> yeah, that, we, would, that would be really, I mean, bringing it home for us Californians, what we got to really do and get our Greens and our independents and make us a real third party because we, we have a duopoly plutocracy. We don't have a democracy. And, uh, you know, really uh, get on uh, the sooner the better we get rid of Trump and them. I, I just have to be honest, because there's if you stay around for the show, it gets sicker and sicker. It do, don't it? Uh, by the way, we have had yeah. Brad Sherman on the show before. And oh, if I'll, if only. Be, yeah, no, no, that's all right. If only because, you know, it's called the Bradcast. So we have everyone <laughs> named Brad on the show. Right. Uh, <laughs> Lynette, I wonder uh, before I let you go. Uh, do you have any idea how many people have, how many uh, have, uh, I guess, Democrats have now signed on to sponsor that bill, or is it just Sherman and it's, Green, just two growing, Democrats? Uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Um, I can't really think of how many others, but we better put the fire up under these Congress people and yep. say, hey, we got to get rid of him as soon as possible because this agenda. I mean, anything he says, to, he's going to lie. He's not no George Washington, okay? You can't say that. He's an honest. <laughs> he tells the truth like George Washington. All you can do is say, we have a liar in chief, especially when you talk about how good the economy is. And we all know we still haven't survived that too big to, uh, uh, failed bank scenario. And uh, deregulation and antitrust uh, and uh, privatization is the Trump agenda, which is going to put us back at 2008 crash. So, you know, we, we've got a lot to do here. We only have a, a middle class to, to, uh, to bring back the jobs, you know. So when he's just telling us anything, you can best believe it's a farce. Thanks, That's Lynette. I, I appreciate that, uh, Lynette. Okay. And I wish we had uh, more Democrats signing on to that uh, impeachment bill. They don't seem to get it. Because uh, I can tell you, had a, had this been a Democrat, any Democrat who had done even a tenth of the things that this president has done since being sworn in, 
he or she would be out of office by now, period. Fred in Orange County, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hey, thank you, uh, Brad, for your great programs, always. Thank you, sir. Hey, I hope uh, you'll have uh, Max uh, Blumenthal on again uh, because of the uh, two bills in Congress right now. It's called the uh, Israel Anti-Boycott uh, Act, uh, which is going to punish uh, people who participate in the international BDS movement to isolate Israel for treatment of Palestinians as a boycott, divestment, and sanctions. Right. But it's, it will have a chilling effect mm. on uh, supporters of BDS, and they have a fine of a minimum of $250,000 and a max of $1 million and up to 20 years in prison. Fred, how will and, they, how will they uh, determine, how does the bill determine, uh, you're saying, who, who does it go against? In other words, what if I want to uh, boycott and divest from uh, 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 Israeli companies for whatever reason? Well, I, I could somehow be punished mainly, for that? I think it's mainly uh, targeting businesses, uh, people, because it's hard for the government to you know isolate and find out who is not buying products. So a business would, would a business would not be able if they said you know what I don't want to deal with uh, this company because it's uh, in in Israel for any reason you're saying that company would be published uh, I'm sorry punished under that bill. Well, this is why I'm, I hope you will have Max on because I haven't read the bill yeah. completely, but I, it will bro- the, the bill I read will broaden the law to include penalties for simply requesting information about such boycotts. So I think the uh, moral turpitude is in the U.S. Congress with sold out to Israel and, you know, all the wars that we have. Uh, you know, uh, the Prime Minister Ariel Sharon told mm-hmm. W. Bush right when he was attacking Iraq that uh, he should go after Iran. And, you know, and the Israeli government won't be happy until we do that. So this is why I'm concerned with what Bernie Sanders is concerned about. Trump wants to attack, uh, you know, Iran. And uh, and all these countries that uh, are being uh, geopolitically engineered were already mentioned in 1996 in Project for the New American Century yeah. in a paper called The Clean Break, written by Richard Pearl, right. who, who was referred to as the Prince of Darkness. When, yes, uh, I know, during the when... George W. Bush years. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and well, they no, have... it, was, it, was, it, was, it was Reagan when Reagan was meeting with Gorbachev. And, right. and Pearl was telling Reagan not to get rid of that many nuclear weapons. That's why he, he was referred to as the Prince of Darkness. Thanks for the call, Fred. I yeah, I, I, you, I, I do Fred. appreciate it very much. Yeah, uh, let me get to 818-985-5735 is our phone number. We've got just a few more minutes left here before Desi Doyen will be on deck with the latest Green News report. 818-985-5735. The drama continues. Uh, let's go to Bill in Santa Monica. Hey, Bill, welcome to the broadcast. Hello, Brett. Hey, Bill. Uh, I agree with you about paper ballots, but we missed a golden opportunity to go back to paper ballots when Obama's two elections. But the next time a, a woman or a minority or... Yeah, we did. Let me, Although, let me respond to that, Bill. Uh, yeah, we did. On the other hand, um, you know, elections are uh, constitutionally left up to the states. So the federal role is is somewhat limited as far as that goes. But I, I take your point because Obama and all of the Democrats 
you know, should have been raising holy hell to, A, get us paper ballots, but B, something they still don't understand is that these ballots need to be counted by human beings, but, uh, Brad, not by computers. Yeah. But, uh, but what I was saying was that the Democrats missed a chance all over all the states. The next time a woman or a minority or even a halfway liberal Democrat is elected for president, the Democrats should float the idea over talk radio that the ballot, that the... Uh, election was rigged. And I think that way Republicans, when you get an Obama or a Bernie Sanders in there, they will gladly go back to paper ballots because, of course, they believe that the election would have been rigged. And that's the only way. To so wait, you're saying when, when a Democrat wins, Democrats should say... Float the idea that, that it's been rigged. The Republicans think it's their idea, but float it that. The election has been rigged. The I Republicans see. will right. go back to paper ballots. Well, the problem is, uh, Bill, and and uh, the problem is uh, progressives don't have access to our public airwaves. People like me are few and far between across the country. You know, uh, but there's all, you, ha- all, you, ha- all yeah. you have to do is go on Rush Limbaugh, and you don't have to say you're <laughs> a Democrat. Just say. That that election was rigged. There you and go. I guarantee you they will buy it. And oh, yeah. That's when it's going to change. Yeah. When Republicans feel like they got screwed, exactly. that's when this that's system will change. I, I agree. Uh, I got to get I got to get out. Thanks. I appreciate that call, Bill. Let me get to uh, Holly very quickly before we go to a break here. Oh, Holly, welcome to the broadcast in Santa Monica. Hi, Brad. hi Holly. Holly from Free For All. Oh, hi, Holly. How are Hello. you? Good. So I was calling to ask, can we get a federal bill that would mandate all federal elections have paper ballots and yep. the automatic audit, hand-counted audit? Uh, I know that yeah. there was that letter from all the experts mm-hmm. in June to all of Congress. Yeah, uh, that would be legal, uh, constitutional, at least as I understand it, if it dealt with only federal elections. Although, uh, and, and the Democrats did try to pass something like that, but um, what they were basically doing was uh, still allowing for ballots to be printed out by computers. So it was a that was the Rush-Holt bill. So I'd love to see something that required paper ballots. I'm not a big fan of post-election audits. I think we've got to count them on election night. But yeah, there is stuff that Democrats could do if they stepped up, and I'm pretty certain they could find uh, a, at least a few Republicans uh, talking to you, Rand Paul, that would be willing to uh, to join them. Holly, I got to get to a break. I should tell people what you remember what the uh, URL is for free for all. Great documentary on election yeah, integrity. It's at save our democ- uh, save our elections dot org. All right. And uh, people should be forewarned. I'm in it, but it's still a good movie. Hey, Holly, thanks. Appreciate you calling in. <laughs> All right. Thank you. you bet. All right. Let's get to a quick break. And we're back with uh, the Green News Report. Maybe a few of your calls. Hopefully Morris from Long Beach. I'm Brad Friedman. And this is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Given the outcome of the 2016 election, we really need your support now more than ever. Progressive media outlets have been under attack for years, even during supposedly progressive administrations. We are now facing a whole new world and real alternatives to the mainstream corporate media. You know, the folks who got it all wrong from the jump must be able to continue the fight for all of us. This is not a drill. It never was. Please consider a donation to our work here on the Bradcast by stopping by bradblog.com donate to help out however you can. 
A monthly pledge is greatly appreciated, but anything you can share will keep us going. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance, now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. It is that time. Don't look so excited about it. Oh, you're just so happy. It's the time for it. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Des, there was actually a number of uh, quite important stories that we uh, weren't able to get into. I know. Today's Green News Report. So I will point people to greennews.bradblog.com for some of those, and then they'll just have to tune in later this week for, uh, for, for the rest of the story. For our next thrilling episode. Oh my goodness, there is so much stuff you would not believe. But until then, let's get to it. Our latest Green News report. The company says killing the project will save you the $7 billion it would have cost to finish it. South Carolina nuclear plants canceled. Authorities ordered visitors to leave which means vacations have been cut short. North Carolina's outer banks are out of power. Humanity is on track to blow past two degrees Celsius of global warming. Some coastal towns will see effective inundation within 20 years. Plus, blowback as Trump threatens to protect Alaska's environment. Vote for my health care bill or the environment doesn't get it. All of those stories and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. I had former Vice President Al Gore on the show to promote his sequel to An Inconvenient Truth. After all, there's no better way to show you care about the planet than sitting in a theater with the air conditioner blasting while drinking out of giant plastic cups. (laughs) Yep. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, during the recent health care insanity in the U.S. Senate, Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke threatened, threatened Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski that the Trump administration would retaliate against Alaska if she voted against the Republicans' repeal scheme And they were going to retaliate by protecting the environment? Yeah, they were going to retaliate by blocking her pro-oil agenda for Alaska. However, as chair of the Senate Energy Committee, Murkowski controls Zinke's budget and confirmations. But Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, he can block Murkowski's massive new energy bill that is now on hold in the Senate, in which she seeks to expand oil drilling in Alaska. A lot of politics, a lot of people trying really hard to not do the right thing. Two new studies warned that we are on track to blow way past the target limit of two degrees Celsius that nations agreed on in the Paris Climate Accord. Oh, great. The two separate studies, using entirely different methods, project that based on current emissions policies, there's a 95% chance that the planet will warm more than two degrees Celsius by the end of the century and could potentially warm as much as a catastrophic four degrees Celsius. The new projections are part of an emerging scientific understanding that governments are not ramping down emissions fast enough to avoid really dangerous climate impacts. So it's almost certain that we're going to 
exceed this two degrees Celsius target by the end of the century, correct? Yes, unless we reduce emissions faster than we are doing. And that seems very unlikely at this point. Another blow to the troubled U.S. nuclear energy industry in South Carolina. Utility companies Santee Cooper and Scana Corporation announced on Monday they will halt construction of two new nuclear reactors at the already existing V.C. Summer Nuclear Power Plant. That occurred after problems with the design of the reactor caused persistent delays and massive cost overruns. No decision yet on what that means for customers who've been paying in advance for years for those two unfinished nuclear reactors. But the good news are saving taxpayers $7 billion for what you have described many times as the world's most expensive way ever invented to boil water. In North Carolina, tens of thousands of tourists have been ordered to evacuate North Carolina's Outer Banks at the height of the summer season, but not because of a hurricane, for once. Officials say construction crews building a bridge accidentally damaged all three underground power lines from the mainland, cutting off all electricity to the remote barrier islands. Only those with off-grid energy resources can remain. Oh, like people with solar? Yep. Last week, we reported that the Coast Guard is planning for an overall rise in sea levels of about six feet by 2100. But a new study from the Union of Concerned Scientists warns many U.S. coastal communities will be hit with effective inundation in just 20 years. Effective inundation is disruptive chronic flooding on a near weekly basis or more due to rising seas caused by global warming. The report identifies more than 170 U.S. towns and communities that could be effectively inundated as early as 2035. Wow. But home buyers in Miami are apparently oblivious to these warnings. According to a new survey by the Miami Herald, two-thirds of home buyers in South Florida never ask their real estate brokers about the potential impacts of rising seas on their property or their future property values. That's some smart buyers. Finally, some good news. A top executive at pipeline company TransCanada says they may scrap the idea of building the controversial Keystone XL pipeline across Nebraska after all. That's due to a lack of customers wanting to ship dirty tar sands oil from Alberta. That negative outlook is not likely to improve soon. The Calgary Herald reports that oil companies in Alberta's tar sands have voluntarily given back more than 2.5 million acres of oil exploration leases because of a drop in demand and the crash in global oil prices. So sad to hear it. For much more on all of those stories and the many we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us worldwide, please, on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Tessie Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. So they can't even fill up that Keystone XL pipeline, eh? Not right now. Not the way the market's going right now. Are they going to? Are they going to find the buyers? To be honest, I don't think so. Shell's CEO said that they are preparing at Shell, at least, for what he called, quote, forever low oil prices. Forever low. Yep. Okay. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. Let me get to uh, more. Actually, I've got one other uh, sort of greenish story, but let me uh, get to Morris here uh, first because he always gets short shrift. So let me see if I can get him in and the other story. Hey, Morris, welcome to the broadcast. Buddy, listen, Brad, Brad, I'm hey, reading Mo. a book now called Democracy 
in chains by Nancy McLean. Now listen, the United States Constitution prevents real democracy because it institutionalizes protections for the minorities. Now, and I'm not talking about black folk. I'm talking about the aristocrats, the oligarch class, right? Their idea of majority rule is mob rule. Hey, we've got 12 states out of 50 can determine who the U.S. president is. And I want to leave you with this. Uh, verifiable elections in our country, Red, that might be a pipe dream. But a government of the people, for the people, by the people, that definitely sure is a pipe dream. Okay, talk to you next week. Okay, thanks, Mo. Appreciate it. Uh, boy, he's pessimistic today, isn't he? He is. For some I'm sorry to I, hear that, but I, you, you know, know, we'll you know, try to help that turn I, that around. Yeah, we need to because um, I ain't buying it. I, and I love Mo, but I ain't buying it. Uh, if if it's out of reach, uh, government of the people, by the people, for the people, if verifiable elections are out of reach, why even continue uh, moving forward at this point? So you are not ready to give up on that? No, and I know it's difficult. Jeez, uh, I've been how, 15 years or so uh, now uh, fighting these same stupid battles and seeing things move uh, backwards. But hey, look what happened in Vegas over the weekend. Let's hope that uh, what happened in Vegas does not stay in Vegas and people realize just how vulnerable our systems are and they start fighting for what they need. All right. uh, Very quick. Do I have time for this? Yeah, I'll do this real quick. Uh, Top EPA official resigned this week in protest uh, of the direction that the EPA is taking under Trump. Uh, Betsy Sutherland ended her 30 year run at the agency with a scathing exit letter in which she claimed that the environmental field is suffering from the temporary triumph of myth over truth. She uh, last worked as a director of science and technology in the Office of Water at the EPA. She says the truth is there is no war on coal. There is no economic crisis caused by environmental protection. And climate change is caused by man's activity, she wrote in the letter. Sutherland said that since EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt has taken over the agency, dozens of regulations designed to protect the environment have been repealed, and Trump's proposed budget cuts to the agency would devastate its ability to enforce existing protections and create new ones. And remember, she's been there for 30 years through all sorts of administrations. Um, But at least uh, she's confident that uh, Congress and the courts will eventually restore the environmental protections repealed by this administration because the majority of the American people recognize that this protection of public health and safety is right and it is just. So see? We'll end on her optimistic note for a change. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, it's going to take some time to rebuild that agency once we get past this part. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. Got a big show for you tomorrow already. You'll have to tune in to find out what it is. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.